I'm going to be reading from John chapter 21. I'll be reading verses 15 through 19. I'll be reading from the New King James. If you do not have a Bible, it will be on the screens, on the screen behind me. It's also, I did say screens because we do have two screens. There's another one. So if you really just want to look back there and but if, if you do have a Bible, John 21, beginning at verse 15, all of that rambling was so maybe you could find it just in case you were looking. John 21, beginning at verse 15, so when they had eaten breakfast, is anybody hungry? Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my Lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you would stretch out your hands and another would gird you and carry you where you did not wish. Then, then he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to them, to him, Follow me. Follow me. For the next few moments, I'm going to title this message, Things. Things. Look at your neighbor and say things. And if you're going to help me preach this morning by saying amen at least four times. I see. You may be seated. Follow me. I am not a fisherman, so I had to look this stuff up. So I'm going to be giving you, we're all going to be educated by the time that we leave this morning a little bit. Did you know that the term fish story is actually in the, is in the dictionary? According to Merriam-Webster, fish story is an extravagant or incredible story. It was first used... In 1819, I'm not sure I agree with that one because Jonah had a whale of a story. See what I did there? It's Father's Day. Those are dad jokes. The etymology of the phrase, it's from the traditional exaggeration by fishermen of the size of fish almost caught. Almost. So in plain English, what a fish story is, it's a lie. So, now with that being established, how many fishermen do we have in the house? I just want to know how many people we're going to have in the... <laughs> so instead of asking you for what your fish stories are this morning and having to skip straight to the altar call and having to let you repent for your exaggerations, I thought maybe I would just tell a few dad jokes about fishing. 
Have you ever wondered why fishing is such good business? Because of the net profits. <laughs> that's right, Cameron, that's right. <laughs> Do you, these, uh, this is the only part of like, these kind of services that I love, is just this part right here. <laughs> Do you know what you get when four men go fishing and one comes back without catching anything? You get three men and a baby. Bob was walking down the street and he sees little Johnny sitting on the front porch. And Johnny's fishing in a bucket and Bob is, of course, curious. And so, you know, he, he, he walks and walks up a little closer to little Johnny and gets a better look. And, and when he looks into the bucket, he's amazed because there's nothing in the bucket. The bucket is completely empty. And so Bob kind of smiles a little bit and says, Johnny, what you fishing for? Little Johnny looks it up, looks up at him and says, you know, with a little bit of a shrug, well, you know, mostly suckers. Bob smiles and said, I've never heard of those. Have you caught any yet? And Johnny looks at him and says, yep, you're the tenth. <laughs> Do you want one more? <laughs> one day Bob was out fishing. Yep, same Bob. He was out fishing with his best friend Frank and a funeral service passes by and it's on the bridge in front of them and Bob takes off his hat, puts, his, puts it over his heart and stands in the boat and he's holding his hat there and a little tear goes down Bob's eye and Frank looks up and says, wow Bob I didn't realize you were so sentimental, I've never seen this side of you and Bob looks down at Frank and says, well, it's the least I could do. I was married to her for 30 years. <laughs> our, text, our text this morning. All right, one more. <laughs> little Johnny is in bed, same little Johnny. He's in bed and his father comes in and shakes him, tells him, hurry up, you got to get to Sunday school. And he runs in and... And he gets to Sunday school, and his Sunday school teacher asks him, she says, Johnny, why are you late? And, and he says, well, I got up, and I was ready to go fishing, and, 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 and I, Dad told me that I had to come to Sunday school, and, and I couldn't go fishing. And, and the Sunday school teacher says, well, that's great. You, do you know why that you couldn't go, to, go, go fishing instead of Sunday school? And he says, yeah, because Dad said he didn't have enough bait for both of us. Welcome to Sunday. Our, our text this morning comes from a fish story. And in this story, Calvary has already happened. Judas has already betrayed. Peter has already denied. Mary Magdalene has been to the garden only to find the sepulcher was empty. She tells the disciples and they run to see. The disciples, of course, they did a thorough investigation. They lift up the linen cloths and they look and they see the napkins folded and they're like, yep, he's not here. They get in their car and they drive home. Maybe not, but the Bible says, Then Simon Peter, following him, went into the sepulcher and see if the linen clothes lie. 
and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. They came in, they checked, yep, he's really not here, and then they went home. After that, you know, what else would a person do? You've just lost the man that, that you have been with for three and a half years. What else would you do in a time like that, that the majority of you have been disbanded and now you're, you're just the one that you have followed? Not only has he been crucified and buried, but now his tomb is empty. Well, Peter gets an idea and says, I go a fishing. I love the King James because... It's only in the King James that I can tell stories this way. The Bible says that Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. I love to tell this story just so that I can say, I go a-fishing. No one talks that way anymore, but the next time, gentlemen, that you're ready to go fishing and you're going to tell your wife, just walk in and say, honey, I go a-fishing. And then they will know that it's a spiritual moment in your life and they will give you permission to go because you're actually quoting scripture as you're ready to go. Just remember me and the catch and when you fry the fish later. Their response as he talks to the sons of Zebedee and the rest of the fellows, their, their response to him is it, it shows that Peter, even though he has denied, even though he has walked away, it, it shows that Peter has influence. Matthew 26 and 74 in the New Living Translation says, Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Peter went out and wept bitter tears. And even after that, even after that happened, even after he's cut a guy's ear off in the garden and now he, he, he's, he's denied him three times. It's fulfilled scripture. And yet, listen to their response. It, it shows you the influence that Peter still has. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. They didn't wait. They didn't, they didn't say, I'm going to have to. Th immediately and that night, they caught nothing. I want to submit to us this morning. That even if you have come up short in your walk with God, men, even if you look at your life and you begin to look at the things and the accomplishments maybe spiritually in your own life, I, I need you to understand this simple fact. Someone is still watching you. Even if for some reason uh, you're looking at your life and you're saying uh, that I have, I, I've messed up, I've failed, I, I've come short of the glory of God. Uh, I want you to understand that you are still having an impact uh, on someone's life. Uh, I need you to hold on to that fact. Uh, I need you to realize that even if for some reason uh, that you have just come up a little bit short, if you have failed, if you have even walked away from God, uh, if you have made mistakes, I want you to know that you are still having an impact on someone's life. They fish all night and they catch on. To, they catch nothing. Jesus is standing on the beach, but they don't know that it's him. I need you to tell me how that happens. Tell me how that you spend three and a half years with a man. You eat in the same place, you sleep in the same place, everything is with this man. Three and a half years, Peter walks with him 
on the water. He, he, he shows up in their boat and, and immediately they're at the shore. Immediately the storm is over. They're with him for three and a half years. They watch him take fishes and loaves and break them as he's blessing them and hand them out. And, and, and 5,000 men are, are fed. They, they, they've been with him as, as the woman with the issue of blood comes behind him and touches the hem of his garment and he stops and says who touched me and they say how can you ask this when there are so many people they have been with Jesus how how do you not know that it's him that's on the shore I know I know maybe he was so far away that they couldn't tell that it was him that may be true but verse 8 tells us that they were not far from land only about 200 cubits but I know that was the other boat and the other guys that were fishing with him. I, that may all be true. But honestly, that doesn't help my message. So just forget about that and let me preach what I'm about to preach right now. Because they were close enough to hear him. They were close enough to understand him. I want, us, I want to submit to us this morning that guilt will cause you to see things differently. Condemnation will cause you to have a different vision than what you have originally. Shame will cause you to have a skewed image of what is standing before you. It will be, it's a terrible taskmaster to have guilt and condemnation and shame. And when you're standing there, when you're in this house this morning, and the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of all creation, the one that died on a cross and rose again for you is walking up and down these aisles it's still able there's still a possibility that you're in this house and you don't even realize because all you can see is with the guilt he's standing on the shore and after a night of fishing and catching nothing this strange guy that they don't know who it is he's standing on the beach and he yells Children, have ye any meat? And probably the only honest fishing story that there's ever been in history because they all answered at the same time, no. I can hear his voice asking someone this morning, do you have anything to show for your night of toil? Do you have anything to show for what you have went back? Can, can, can you, do you have anything this morning that you can say you've accomplished since you've walked away from me? Do you have anything that you can show that you can say, this is what I've benefited from going back to a former life? I need us to understand this morning that there is a voice of Almighty God that is reaching out. I know you may have messed up. I know you You've run away. I know that you're back to your old life perhaps, but I need someone to hear me that even in that, there's a voice of God that's reaching for you and he's saying, are you tired of where you've been? Because I'm still calling for you. I'm still reaching for you. You need to hear me because not only is God calling, but do you remember me to telling you that someone's watching? 
There's a call that is going out. There's a call that is, that, is, that is going out to you. And yet all the while, there is someone that's watching you. There's a young man. There's a young woman. It may not even be a family member. It may not be your son or your daughter. It doesn't have to be. Someone is looking to you. Someone is watching you. They're watching everything that you do. And Jesus is standing on the shore this morning saying, Are you tired? having nothing to show for what you've done. If you'll listen to him this morning, he has a word for you. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. It's not so much to me, in my opinion, about whether or not the right or the left side of the ship. I I don't believe that it was so much that they were fishing on the wrong side of the boat. It's not like there's an imaginary line and they can catch on one side but not the other. I believe it's about obedience. And if we will get to the place that we will be obedient to his voice. You want to know how you've got a life that's victorious? be obedient to his voice you want to know how you can lead be obedient to his voice because immediately I need someone to understand there was a great catch of fish and it all comes when somebody is obedient you want to know how you're going to make a bigger impact you want to know how you're going to be able to look back at someone's life and say that's what I've done it's when you're obedient to what God has called you to do Are you tired of feeling defeated? He's calling to you this morning. I'm getting closer to my message, I promise I am. It's okay. Last time she said amen and all those other things. Let her go. I'm at verse 7 already. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, He gird his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. I'm not sure when it happened, but somewhere between Jesus showing up on the shore and the miracle catch of fish, John realized that Jesus is on the shore. Somewhere between the the catching nothing and Jesus being on the shore and the scripture saying that they didn't know who that it was yet. Somewhere between that moment and hearing and then catching out of obedience, something happened. I need to slow down just a minute. And if you are a guest this morning, please just put it on pause because I'm going to talk to Bethel. There's got to be somebody in this house that's willing to be sensitive enough to let someone else know that what they feel is Jesus you can't just let them that are sitting beside you not know that what they feel is Jesus because right now maybe what they feel is condemnation and shame but what you feel is the love and the grace of an almighty God there's got to be somebody that cares enough that says even though you've walked away even though you've denied even though you're naked there's a message there about Whenever you leave Jesus, how that things change, and then when you go back to him, how they become moral again. But we don't have time this morning because I know you're ready for lunch. But someone has to care enough that they're willing to look at the brother that has fallen. 
There's got to be someone that cares enough that will look, ladies, that, that will look at the sister and let them know that you love them enough to let them know that that's Jesus that you feel. It's Jesus that's reaching for you. That's Jesus that's speaking to you. That's Jesus that's calling to you. Bethel, there's got to be someone that loves them enough that says, I'm not so much worried about the catch as I am my brother that's standing beside me. There's got to be somebody that's willing to step out and say that's Jesus that you feel that's Jesus that's reaching for you it's not just it's not just a service it's not just another Sunday morning or a Wednesday night it's, it's, it's an opportunity to have an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and if you know what you feel don't you dare hold it to yourself you better let somebody know because they may be fighting everything that they have just to stay afloat but if you'll let them know it's Jesus that's in the house it doesn't matter how they're dressed it doesn't matter what they do it doesn't matter what they've done. There is a merciful Savior that's saying, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's got to be somebody that cares. I love the fact that John did not say, Bro, that's, that's Jesus. You remember the one you denied? You might want to go downstairs. He just, he just looks, looks over at Peter and says, oh. he says, Jesus, Peter, I know you don't recognize him. How could you not recognize his voice? You're in the middle of a storm. You're, in, you're on a ship. And he was going to pass you by. And everyone's afraid because they thought it was a spirit. But there's something about him that you recognize. And you said, if it's you, bid me to come. And over the wind and the waves and the storm, you heard him say, come. But you don't recognize his voice because shame. Shame and guilt. And I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I come against it in the name of Jesus. There's no place for that in this house. There's no place for that in your life. I want the love of God to come down in such a way that guilt and shame leaves this house. And I want conviction. That's the love of Almighty God. It begins to reach for us. It begins to call for us. It'll make its way through the walls. It'll make its way through the hurt. I want the love of God. Peter. Peter. It's Jesus. All right. Our guest, you guys can you guys can join us again. Peter jumps in. He swims back to the shore. And they have a they have another fish and chips dinner. It's their favorite thing to have with Jesus. And now we finally make it to my text. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And this, I know, we're not supposed to add to or take away. But every time I hear the scripture, I hear that word, things. Do you love me more than these? And in my mind, I hear things. 
Do you love me more than these things? All of my life I have heard this portion of Scripture explained like this. That Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Each time, do you love me, was for one of the denials of knowing him. And that may preach really good. But I don't know that I believe that anymore. For one, my God does not give out partial forgiveness. That's just not the way that he works. He does not give out partial forgiveness. There's no amount of penitence that that you have to do so that you can actually get to your place that God will forgive you. Paul wrote to the Colossians, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses not some not 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 just in this month no all everything that you've done when you have asked him he's forgiven you of all of them and after he forgives you I need you to understand this because we've been walking around carrying some things we didn't need to carry anymore because after he forgives you of all he says I'm going to choose not to remember them anymore For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. Will I remember? No more. The NLT puts it like this. And I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never again remember their sins. So if you'll allow me this morning. I do not believe that those three were so that God could give him forgiveness of the three denials because that's not the way that my God works. Whenever I came to him, I didn't have to come to him for every single sin. I didn't have to come one day and pray over one sin and then come back and pray again over another. I would be here for the rest of my life and I would never be able to get forgiveness because I was born in sin, shaping in iniquity. But when I came to him, He forgave me of all I need you to understand this morning If you're carrying around guilt and shame God will forgive you He will forgive you in just one moment It does not take a long time If you will say I repent And ask for forgiveness In a moment You will be forgiven Chooses To never remember That translates, that remember in that scripture translates to this. To call to mind or to actively remind oneself. He said, he chooses to never actively remind himself or to call to remembrance. Let me put it to you this way. He forgave you. He doesn't know what you're talking about when you bring it up again. You're forgiven. So then why the three questions? I'm glad you asked. Because if you didn't ask, I couldn't have the rest of my message. Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Three questions. 
three different questions. Oh, I know they sound the same, but they're not. It's three different answers. Verse 15, Jesus said, do you love me? The word that is used there is agape. It is a passionate love. It is a sacrificial love. It is the same love used in John 15 and 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It is a sacrificial love. But Peter responds, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. If you look at it, it's not the same love. It's actually phileo. And that word basically means to have affection for or to be friendly with. The English language is not fun. We have words and we use them and some people do not understand. I have words that are not in the English language and people do not understand. It just happens. But I can stand here this morning and I can tell you, I love crawfish. Especially, help me, Holy Ghost, crawfish etouffee. And please, don't try to bring it out already on the rice. That's not how it works. You, if, if that's how you're served, it's, you've already served it wrong. I'm going to say, no, I love crawfish etouffee. When my mom goes to Louisiana, she brings me back a couple of those tubs from crawfish hole number two. Frozen crawfish etouffee. The first one is basically Brother Cameron eaten immediately. I love my wife this much that I will share it with her. But that second one, Brother Jack, <laughs> that gets put back into the freezer for a special time and a special moment because I know that I can't just run down the road to Dixie in Louisiana. I, I, can't do, I can't run down there and, and pick up another one. So it has to go for a special time. I, I cherish it. <laughs> and you guys already know about my love for carrot cake from Jack Stack. It's love. It's love. Is anybody else hungry? Crawfish etouffee and carrot cake following? My Lord. <laughs> Mud bugs and carrot cake. That's what I should have titled this message. <laughs> but you know what I also love? I love my wife. But it's not the same thing. It's not. Because you could talk bad about crawfish etouffee or carrot cake. And all I'm going to say to you is you don't know what you're talking about. Or you haven't tried it yet. Or you haven't tried it from the right place. And I'll be able to go on with my life. But you talk bad about my wife. We're going to have words, Jack. That's my father-in-law. <laughs> See, I know you never would. <laughs> Brother, Brother Jack is really behind me. Because I love my wife. It's not just, we're not simply friends. We're, 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 we're more than just acquaintance. I could go the rest of my life. And never have crawfish etouffee or carrot cake ever again. 
And right now, I may be like, oh, that's sad. But my wife leaves me for three or four days. I know she's coming home. And there is an emptiness not only in my home, but there's an emptiness in my heart. There's an emptiness. There, there's just a space that I can't wait till I can just simply hear her voice over the phone and know that she's coming home because it has went beyond just a feeling of friendship or enjoying the moment. It has went into a place that there's nothing I wouldn't do to be with her. We have become one. And that's what Jesus is asking Peter. He's asking him... Am I merely just a moment of affection or is there nothing that you wouldn't do to be in my presence? I need someone to hear me this morning. God is asking you, do you love me? Am I more than just an infatuation or do you love me with an undying love? Is there anybody that says, I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to go all the way. There's nothing that will separate me from the love of God. Jesus looks at him and says, and with Jesus' question, he says, do you love me with a sacrificial love? Looked it up. I did a word study, and, and, and basically everywhere simply agrees that uh, an agape love is the most powerful form of love. And phileo, I think I'm pronouncing that right basically is a form of friendship. I began to read about that type of love. And they said that this was a common phrase that was used in the Romans because friendship mattered so much that they would, they would express their love that it was more than a common acquaintance that they actually cared for them but there was a limit to it. And Jesus says, do you love me? Peter had said earlier, he said, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. That's just, that's just a few days prior. Even if I have to die, I'm willing to die because I love you that much. And Jesus says, do you still love me the same? And Peter says, oh God, you know we're close friends. That word that Peter uses is based on emotion. And when things are good, the commentaries were explaining what it actually kind of expresses is when things are good, it's like you have a warm feeling that overwhelms you. Ah, oh, I'm glad they're here. But when things are bad, there's a coldness, and you can separate yourself that easily. How is your walk with God this morning? Men, women, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, how is your walk with God? When trials come, can you walk away? Or is there something that says, no matter what, there's nothing that's going to separate me from your love. I'm going to love you with an undying.
because that type of love is not good enough. Do you love me more than these things, Peter? What things? Oh, people's opinion hurts. Come on, Peter. Do you, do you love me more than those things? Am I a priority, Peter? Come on, dads, grandpas, uncles, men of God. There's someone watching you. Are you showing them that you love him more than other people's opinions? Peter, we can't have a book of Acts until we settle if you love me more than things. We, we've we've got to have it settled, Peter. You need to settle it on this Father's Day 2023. You need to settle it this morning that you love him more than things. Because someone is watching you. Brother Gary is not here this morning. He's with his dad, but Brother Gary lost his boys. But it wasn't long ago that Hunter was up here and Jordan was up here. And I watched Brother Gary just go and begin to pray and weep with them. Encourage them. Why? Why? Because some things still matter. Even when we're, even when we're hurting Bethel, we had, you brought, you brought four young people with you, Jonathan. They need someone to love them. They needed what happened last week. You need it. I need it. And I watched Bethel as you began to gather around them. I watched as they lifted their hands because they wanted prayer as the missionaries came and they prayed with them and then the body came and prayed with them. I kind of joked. I said I had to basically ask people to get out of the way just so I could introduce myself. But you know what that is? That's when you're telling someone that I love you more than things. It doesn't matter what's going on. There's got to be somebody that cares enough that says it doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to show you the love of God. I'm going to show you that someone still cares we can't wait around for someone to get a hold of it we've got to get a hold of it ourselves we can't wait for someone else to love them we have got to be the place that loves them and so brother Gary I, I just went to him I didn't give him a chance I just went to him and I said brother Gary I want you to keep doing what you're doing I want you to let them boys know that you care about them I want you to let them know that you love them I'm here to tell somebody this morning you've got to get it settled in your heart that you're willing to reach for someone no matter who they are you're willing to love them whether they're yours or not you've got to get it settled that I love you more than things I love you more than things I love you more see because finally on that third time 
Jesus uses that same question to Peter, but he uses his own word. And he says, Peter, are we only friends? And Peter gets upset. Until you decide whether it's only casual or this matters more than life itself. We can't have an Acts chapter 2. You want to know how you're going to see revival in your home, and I, I'm, I, I say this all the time, but it's because I believe it. When you decide that it's not a casual friendship or relationship, when you decide that it matters more than anything, and I'm closing with this. Dads, you do not have to be perfect to be impactful, but you do need to decide what matters. I didn't tell him I was going to do this, but Eddie, will you come here? Up here with me. Don't get worried. Don't get scared. <laughs> if you were a guest this morning, I'm sweaty, but I don't care. This is my big brother. You know, our dad was not perfect. Just wasn't. I don't know if he taught you, but he never taught me how to throw a fastball or a curveball. He didn't teach me how to, if he did, it's because you were the favorite. <laughs> he knows that already. My sister's the baby and all the other ones, but we all know that he's the favorite. <laughs> right? <laughs> we know. But you know, there's some things that don't leave. There's some things. I've told Dad, you know, you never, we, I don't, I can't remember a time that we ever played catch, baseball or football, anything. They, <laughs> they bought me, Mom and Dad, for Christmas, they bought me this baseball that registered, like, how fast you're throwing. I had to do that by myself. <laughs> I went out, I set up a glove, and I tried, because I, I couldn't pitch or anything else, and so... I would try to throw it to catch it in the glove to see how fast that I was throwing because dad just, we never had those moments. But what he showed me was what matters. I knew where to find him when I needed someone to pray. We knew when to call and we knew when not to call. But we also knew that if we called in that time of prayer, Dad was going to answer. And Dad wasn't going to stop and say anything like, hey, I don't have time. No, Dad was going to say this. Let's pray about it now. It didn't matter what was going on. See, all of those things, we, we think we have to be perfect. And we can look back at things in our life. We can look back at things and say, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. But what you do still matters. 
There's times that Eddie and Kim, they've both told me because they were, they were down there with, with Dad when I was still up here. And, and I'm, I'm not sure which one it, it told me the story, but they walked in and Dad had his Bible. And as he was praying, he kissed his Bible because he loved it that much. There's something about it. We may never be the greatest men in the entire world, but there's something that we can do. Eddie, we have a responsibility. Hunter, come here. Jordan, come here. See, we've been handed something. We've been handed something. Come on. Don't be scared of me. I mean, this, this is my little cousin, my little nephew. We've been handed something, and we have to decide whether things are more important than showing them the love of God. Because who's going to tell our story? Who, who's going to tell? Who's going to tell? What, what, who's going to tell someone else that, that you know what? They loved me enough that they would pray for me. They loved me enough that in the middle of everything that was going on, they cared about it enough. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility that there's things that have been handed to us. And the things that have been handed, they've been handed to us. It was not about sports. It was not about any of those things. But it was about there's a love of God. And you can get to a place that God can reach for you. And he will love you no matter where you are. I need someone to hear me this morning do you love someone enough to tell them what I have I need you to know that God loves you what I have God cares about you I need someone to make up your mind I love you more than things can we stand Eddie you just turned 60 didn't you 60 60 years old. He used to say some things to me like this, and I know where he got them from. He got them from my dad. I started in construction. I was 18, 19 years old, and Kim loved me enough. Eddie's Kim loved me enough that she packed me lunch in his lunchbox. That's love right there. And finally, my brother says, I didn't take you on to raise. You know, the other week when I said something about eating you out of house and home, I may have been doing that to them. <laughs> but the things that mattered, I know that if I need him, I can call him right now. And he'll be there. See, because we're looking around and sometimes we can say, well, I didn't take them on to raise. I've used that, by the way, on my nephews. <laughs> And they look at me and say, yeah, you did. <laughs> at least for the weekend. That's your children, Melanie. But we, we've taken a responsibility on because we have something that's been placed in our hands that's precious. And we're going to place it in their hands because we love them, because we care about them, because we believe in them. Oh, those young men and that young lady that was here with Jonathan, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. We're reaching. We're reaching because 
We love more than things. What I'm going to ask is all of the men, if you will, and if you have a family member that's here with you, if you will come and just stand in the front. We're going to pray over you, and then the ladies are going to come behind you. Come on. Come on, Phil. When I asked the ladies to come, do you know that they just came right away? <laughs> you guys are acting like you're scared of me or something. <laughs> I'm not here to make anyone feel uncomfortable. All, all I'm going to do is pray a prayer of blessing over you. Brother Chuck, I want you and Brother Cameron, Brother Jack, I want y'all to go down there too. And if perhaps you're not able to stand, we can, yes, we can, we'll move, we'll let you sit right where you are. But this is what I felt. I felt this message for almost two months. I sent a message to Kim and I told her, I said, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach about things on Father's Day. And her response was, what does that mean? <laughs> things that matter. I want you all to know that you have something to offer. That you have something that you can hand to someone else. I want you to know that someone is watching you. That someone's paying attention to you. That someone is looking up to you. I don't say that to put fear or guilt. I say that so that you understand how much you matter. Because you matter. And if you're comfortable, would you lift your hands? If not, just maybe bow your heads. I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. Thank you for coming to the front. But we're going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Ladies, would you just reach your hands towards these men? These are the priests of the home. They carry a different anointing than you do. There's glory that you carry with you, but there, there's, a, there's an anointing of the priest that comes through them. Pray that that would be magnified. Would you pray with me? God, we come before you this morning. And the question remains, am I passionate? Or is it simply a, padding, a passing phase? Are we friends? Or do I love you with a burning desire that says, I cannot be separated from you? God, I ask you that you would reveal those things in my life, in their life, because these are the priests of the home. They carry an anointing not only in this house, but in their homes, on their jobs. I ask God that it would rest on them, that there would be a heavy, powerful anointing that would rest upon them. Let there be a boldness in them. Let there be a power that they walk in. Because, God, we love you more than these things. 
We love you more than anything else. There's nothing that matters more than you. God, I ask you that you would give us a desire to share with someone else, no matter who they are, that we can example a life of godliness in front of them. Let us be men of God. Let us be powerful, anointed men of God. Because, God, we've got to have it settled if we want to have revival. We've got to have it settled if we want to have an Acts chapter 2 experience. We've got to have it settled. We give it all to you. And this is the last thing. If you look at that scripture that we just read, it's very... It's very similar to the first time that Jesus calls Peter. Takes him back to a place of fishing. Tells him to cast his nets. It's a great catch of fish. But somewhere between the original call and this one, some things got in the way. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, it was Jesus creating an experience that said, Peter, I know some things have gotten in the way between that, um, that initial time that I called you and right here. But what I want to give you is a clean slate. And let's start from here. Is everything going to be perfect? Is every, No, you're still going to have problems. In fact, Peter, you're going to ask me in a, in a few moments, you're going to ask me some questions about what, what's John going to do, and I'm going to have to tell you, don't worry about him. Follow me. You're still going to have issues, Peter, but I'm giving you a clean slate that we can start from here. If you're in this house this morning, and you're looking and worrying and saying, oh, well, it's wonderful for you to say that, but you don't know the things that have happened between then and now. He's in this house to give you a clean slate. He's here to forgive you of all of your sins. Man, woman, boy and girl, no matter who you are, he's here. I want to give us one, one more opportunity. I want us to right now, all across the house as a body, to ask him, God, make it fresh for me too. Make it fresh for me too. Clean, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew within me a right spirit. Maybe you've got one of those stony hearts. God, take this stony heart and replace it with one that is flesh. Deal. I want to feel you. I want to feel your love again. I, I, I want to go, go beyond just, just fringe. I want to go to a place that is passionate love for you. Because there's someone that's waiting to hear me say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ but I've got to get some things settled. 
They're going to sing it one more time. I just, I want us to love him. Because, Lord, I offer. I offer. I offer my life to you. Everything I've been through. I was talking to Brother Cameron yesterday, and I told him. He didn't know what I was preaching about today, but I told him. I just, I was like, I want the men to be the ones that carry us in worship. I want to hear their voices ring out in prayer. I want us to walk in the calling that God has for us. Settle it. Settle it. I love you more than things.